This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 231. I think if you're going to be a full time wholesaler, you have to treat it like a business. You're really not an investor, you're not in the passive game, you're not in the appreciation game, you're not in all that. If you're just doing wholesaling, you're just in a transactional business. I think people have to realize that. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everybody? This is Josh Dorkin, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, here with my co-host, Mr. Brandon Turner. What's up, man? You know what? Not a lot has changed in the past hour and a half since we recorded our last intro outro. This so. is true. This is true. <laughs> but no, things are good. It's uh, it's uh, good to be alive. How about is it? you? It is. I, I'm okay. You know, I, I, w- I want you to tell me about this thing that I saw on, I think it was Facebook or Instagram. I'm, I see Brandon, uh, something on Brandon's wall and it's like, oh, there's my house. And apparently he was in a helicopter or oh. some kind of small airplane flying over your house. Like, is that what you do? Because like, yeah, when I get rich, I'm going <laughs> an airplane fly over my house and That's take what a I photo. Do. I was, no, I went flying with a buddy of mine. And Neil King is oh. a big in, in real estate investor out here. He took me flying again yesterday with the second time this year, I think, or maybe in the last year. Anyway. We flew over my house and scared my wife. She seriously thought we were going to crash into the house because Neil's a little bit crazy. And so, like, I don't think we were more than five feet above the roof. And You, you know, look pretty low. Rough? What's a rough? Roof? What do you say? Roof? Roof? <laughs> roof. <you> freaking dog? <laughs> That's how we say it in Minnesota. My family was out here last week and actually for my daughter's birthday. And uh, whenever my family comes around, I pick up the Minnesotan accent a little bit. And I start talking right. about Minnesota and all the boats and the roofs, yeah. stuff like that. That's great. Not, All right. not interested. Okay, can we get to the show? <laughs> Moving on. We've got a fantastic show today. Oh, it's a got, great show. It is a great show. And this guy is super, super uh, motivating and uh, crushing it in his business. And like a lot of times we, we hear stories of people and myself included and like – Back in the day, it was, you know, like they, they did a lot of stuff, right? And then today it's like, well, we're kind of slowing down. This guy's like speeding up. He's buying more deals today in our crazy market today than he was last year, the year before. Uh, and uh, today we talk about how he's able to do that. How is he buying 25 deals every single month? Uh, it's pretty awesome. And he kind of goes in depth on that. Even like later on, he, he coaches, so to speak, Josh and I, on uh, kind of pretending we were brand new, just getting started. He kind of walks us step by step through it. So hang tight for that. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's great. What's better than low money down? No money down. Now through rent to retirement, you can buy a brand new construction turnkey rental property for no money down. Wait, hold on. This can't be right. We need to double check with Zach, rent to retirement CEO. Oh, hey, Rob. Zach, how the heck are you selling turnkey rental properties for $0 down? (laughs) It's not that complicated, Rob. Rent to Retirement has new construction properties up to $20,000 below retail prices. We also have investor loans with rates as low as 3.99% and down payment options as low as 5% or sometimes even zero money down. You get all the cash flow, appreciation, and equity for as little as zero money down. That's an infinite return. Oh, wait, wait. Let me get on this before we tell it to the whole Bigger Pockets audience. Just head to renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com or text REI to 33777. That's REI to 33777 to learn more about how you can get started investing with no money down today. Get your next new construction property at a steep discount or invest with no money down. Head to renttoretirement.com today. 
If you're in the landlord game, then you know the importance of solid tenant screening. That's where RentReady steps in. Now, RentReady's got an important new feature, proof of income verification. And get this, with Plaid certified reports, you'll see everything from income summaries to total earnings by month. Say goodbye to those gut check moments and hello to confidence in renting with RentReady. RentReady is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. If you're not a pro, they're offering a six month plan for $1. You can't beat that. I actually don't even know how they make money doing that, but it's above my pay grade, pal. Visit rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I.com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP, like bigger pockets, investor, like me, to get six months of rent ready for $1, which is crazy. You might think you want real estate, but that's not true. What you really want is passive income. With new investors struggling to find deals or get enough money to buy them and veteran landlords tired of the constant tenant phone calls, is there a better alternative? Actually, there is. Short notes from Connect Invest. Connect Invest is an online investing platform that allows you to easily participate in passive real estate investing, and all you need is $500 to start. Short Notes collectively funds a diversified portfolio of commercial and residential real estate projects across acquisition, construction, and development phases. You'll earn a fixed monthly income without the hassle of owning or managing real estate. Head to connectinvest.com BP to create your account. Fund your digital wallet with at least $500. Select from 6, 12, and 24-month short notes with annualized return rates up to 9%. Then sit back and let your monthly returns roll in. Join today by visiting connectinvest.com slash VP. Connectinvest.com slash VP. We have a quick tip, don't we? We do have a quick tip. Quick, quick tip. All right, so today's quick tip actually is something I, I was watching a YouTube video while I was uh, jogging on a treadmill the other day, and it was it was like a Tony Robbins video, I think it was, and he was talking about this concept in there, and and uh, I want to kind of explain what I heard because I thought it was fantastic. Basically, the idea is this: when if you're unhappy in life in any way, it's usually because you have uh, poor exp- or you have, it's expectations versus appreciation. So let me give you an example. He tells a story of uh, flying an airplane from LA to Australia. And they never have Wi-Fi because it's over the ocean, right? But this one flight, he gets they get they come on the announcements and say, "Hey, we're excited to announce we've got Wi-Fi on this flight. Internet's going to be all the way to Australia." And people go nuts. They start cheering and excited, and everyone's like, "This is a miracle!" And everyone's all happy, right? And it lasts for nine minutes, and then the internet goes out, and they never get it back. Mm-hmm. He said, "You would have thought there was a terrorist on board." I mean, people were like angry and yelling at the the flight attendants and just really mad. And it's, the interesting thing was. Nine minutes earlier, it was a miracle, and now it's an expectation. And people were like visibly upset for the whole entire flight because of it. So the next day, I'm well later in the day, I'm at Starbucks and I'm sitting there in the, in line, and it was a it was a long time. It was like 15 minutes waiting for my drink, right? The guy in front of us is hitting his steering wheel over and over and over, and angry that they're taking so long. And he's yelling out of the window like, "Come on!" Right? But like, I I started thinking of what I'd me. heard. That was probably you, right? But it's because he had this expectation and it was like he deserved to have a five-minute drink or less, right? So I started thinking of this this Tony Robbins thing and, you know, I was like, I'm in a dry – like they're going to hand me my coffee in my window. Like I don't even have to make it myself or go anywhere. Like I was super – like I was appreciative of it and because of that – uh, I was not upset about it. Anyway, so there's a little quick tip for you. That was a little longer than it meant to be, but uh, replace your replace your expectations with appreciation. That's the quick tip. Pretty good, right?
I, I like that because then you won't disappoint me, Brandon. Exactly. If you didn't expect so much out of me, you wouldn't be mad at me every day. See, this is, yeah. this is how it works. Wow. <laughs> Expect very little hold, from me. Hold on. All of a sudden. <laughs> and appreciate I'm me I'm going to be a much happier person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Expect little, appreciate much. There's a lot to appreciate here. Wow. A lot Okay. Here. All right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Moving on. Uh, yeah, we should. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. This is show 231 of the Bigger Pockets podcast. You can check out the show notes at Bigger Pockets dot com slash show two three one as brandon said we have a great show for you today our guest brett snodgrass is a real estate transactor let's let's call it that right he's a state transactor yeah he says he's Uh, not an investor you'll hear why in a minute it's not and and he's been in the business for a bit and he went i'm i want to find my notes here but he went from uh i believe the first year he did one deal then he did 10 deals the following year in 2008 he did 158 deals and now he's currently doing about 25 deals a month crazy it's it's phenomenal uh the guy is wholesaling he's got his own definition of wholesaling and i and i actually i really like his definition right i like his philosophy on why he does it the way that he does it i do agree that it's a cleaner way of doing things i do agree that it makes sense um one of the things I was going to say, it's not just for wholesalers either. If you're listening to this going, oh, I don't care about wholesaling, just listen to his strategy. It's not quite what you think of wholesaling as. Like this applies to people, landlords, to flippers, to anybody in the business. You're going to get a ton out of this show. Yeah, especially, you know, the show for for the newer investors, I think is is a great training tool because we we talk a lot about um, the ethics of the business. Yeah. What's okay and what you can and should should do because you know just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. And so anyway, listen up. It's a great show. Uh, let's bring him. All right, Brett. Welcome to the show, man. It's good to have you here. Thank you so much, Brandon and Josh. Uh, it is an honor and a pleasure to be on the Bigger Pockets podcast. I've been looking forward to this for many, many months and years. So thanks for asking me, man. It is an honor. Yeah. <laughs> to be in the presence of such a man like Brandon, we don't yeah. often have the opportunity to be around, you know, wow. one of the guys from wow. the Lord of the Rings. It's 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 pretty cool. <laughs> who am I in the Lord of the Rings? Am I like I don't know who Gandalf? Am I Gandalf? I can, I can be Gandalf. <laughs> I did the beard. <laughs> All right. So uh, other than Lord of the Rings trivia, let's let's talk about your real estate journey. You know, how did you? get into this whole game, this real estate business? What what, what did you do before? And then what was your first deal like? Awesome. Yeah. I love, love telling my story. So I pretty much grew up in a middle-class Indiana home. My parents are both school teachers. My dad was a high school basketball coach. So if you're from Indiana in the Midwest, you ever seen the movie Hoosiers? You guys know? Yeah. Out, yep. out there? One yeah. Best okay. movies ever. Best movies ever. So Hoosiers was, uh, came from Indiana. That was pretty much my life. It was my house. Uh, lived and breathed basketball growing up and uh, got a college scholarship, paid for college with it. So that was pretty cool. You got um, a scholarship as a basketball player in college? I did, yeah. Small oh, wow. small college. It wasn't like Duke or North Carolina. It was uh, Huntington, Indiana, Huntington University. We are actually called, this is Indiana for you, the Huntington Foresters. So there you go. That was a crazy mascot. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, you know, they, they weren't really into real estate, uh, but I've always had that entrepreneur 
just kind of niche, you know, I, my, one of my very first businesses was I actually in, in the seventh grade, I bought and sold candy at school. I used to go to Sam's club, buy big packages of gum and then sell them at school. And I make, you know, I'd, I'd buy a pack of gum for a quarter and, and sold it a quarter a piece. So that was my like big, my big deal right there. Um, there is a warning label that says not to be sold in, in yeah, individual packets, there you- but, but you know, <laughs> That was your hey. first experience breaking the law, too. That's right. Yeah. Now I'm a wholesaler. So now. <laughs> so that was so I, I basically, I, you know, I went to college. I, I got a, a teaching degree, elementary education, uh, because my parents are both teachers. And uh, I got out of school and I taught for about four months. And I was like, man, this just this just isn't uh, fit for me. I, I love teachers. I love what they do. But this just I wasn't passionate about it. So. Long story short, let me fast forward. I started some other businesses just to kind of, you know, again, breaking the law. I started buying and selling DVDs on eBay, right? So DVDs wow. are really popular back in the 2000s. Uh, and I found this website where I bought these DVDs and I would sell them individually on eBay. Well, lo and behold, I had a private detective show up at my doorstep and uh, serve me papers because the DVDs that I had bought and sold were bootleg DVDs. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's that, that's when I was kind of at my rock bottom. I decided to move home with my parents. So I'm getting sued by Paramount Pictures. Oh. And uh, I'm also, you know, I was living a pretty crazy life. I found out I'm having a, a child out of wedlock. So I'm, I'm moving home. I'm having a child. And I am like, if you look up Loserville in the dictionary, like my picture <laughs> is probably oh, geez, right man. there. So. So I'm 26 years old and uh, my dad introduced me to a land developer and uh, he bought these big pieces of land here in Indiana and, and developed them. And I worked for him off a of commission. And I remember I was getting ready to do this big commission, $3,500. And I was like, man, uh, that was like crazy money to me because Paramount Pictures felt sorry for me because I was only making about $10,000 a year as I was substitute teaching and doing all these things. So I was going to make $3,500. And that was like, that was awesome. So I made that commission. I, I made that money. And then I was back on eBay. And instead of looking at DVDs, I looked at real estate. Did you guys know that you could even buy real no. estate on, on eBay? No, I didn't either. But I found uh, this. No, I, I didn't know that. Yeah, I found this house in Youngstown, Ohio, and uh, it was for $9,000. And this is back at the end of 2007. So thank you guys back there. $9,000 in Youngstown, Ohio. I could buy this house. And I bought it, and uh, and then we, my dad and I went in together because I had a little bit of money. I had five thousand, he had five thousand, and we didn't have any money to fix it up. So we decided, well, now what are we going to do? Let's let's market it and sell it. So we sold that house for fifteen thousand dollars, and that was my first deal. I made six grand, and uh, and I asked myself, hey, if you could do this with one, could you do it with a hundred? And that's kind of where it started. So wow, wow. that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 just like taken aback. I'm trying to you know process. I'm trying to like stay. I'm trying to stay out of jail and uh, get yeah. sued by people. So, you that's know, an, wow, that's a good goal to to, to go through life. <laughs> stay so in jail, bought, don't get sued. As long as I do that, I win. You bought this property on eBay and you just sold it in the open market. Thereafter, you didn't fix it. You didn't do anything to it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because me and my dad, we only had $10,000, and the right. house cost a nine, so we <laughs> only had about $1,000. So I remember I drove six hours one way. I lived around Indianapolis at the time, six hours one way. I cleaned it up, took some pictures, and then I marketed online uh, You know, some of the local, I think, Craigslist and uh, and eBay. I, I remember that. I, I marketed on there and then sold it for fifteen and 
that was my first deal. And uh, we just kind of, you know, didn't know what you're doing. Uh, started reading a few books about it and didn't even know it was called wholesaling, I guess, at the time. I just, we called it, uh, we bought a house and sold it because we didn't have any money to fix it up. That was pretty much what I knew. So <laughs> Nice. Wow. So so what, what came next? You guys have this first successful venture and in turning this house over, flipping it, wholesaling, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I'm sure you have a term for it. You got the bug, right? Now, all of a sudden you're excited. How does, how does that kind of uh, grow from there? What happens next? Well, obviously, like I said, I was having a daughter and uh, I was like, I wanted to really provide for her. And so again, I got the bug. I read some books. I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I read some of these real estate books. And like I said, I, I asked myself if I could do this with this deal, could I do it with, with multiple deals? Could I do it in my own backyard? You know, like Indianapolis, is there deals like that here in Indianapolis? And I, and I researched it and I found out that there was, and this is also a different time. This is back during the crash. So I didn't know that there was a crash because I didn't really know anything about real estate. I just knew that there was cheap properties out there and I could buy them, you know, discounted. And then I could sell them to other investors, you know, from all over, all over the, the nation, all over the world. So what happened next was I started, I got a hold of a local real estate agent and I said, here, I have an idea. I don't know if it's going to work, but uh, there's a lot of bank owned properties out there. I want to put in, you know, I started off saying, I want to put in about 200 offers a month. They're all going to be kind of lower than what they're asking, but maybe we'll get some. And, and that's, and that's pretty much what we did. So I, I worked with a local agent and then in 2008, we went from, I think we did about 10 deals in 2007, 2008, we hit a record year. We did about 158 uh, wholesale deals in 2008. And that was mostly just from the MLS and, and the agent and bank owned properties. So. Wow. How many was that in 2007? We did about 10, uh, I think in 2007, like I said, they were just kind of one hit and miss and I, and I didn't really know what I was doing. And then in 2008 is when it really just went full time, full bore. We did about 158 uh, transactions, me and my dad together. Okay. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> and so you're this guy who just made $6,000 in a deal, not going, not knowing your head from your ass. And the next thing you do is say, Oh, I want to do 200 offers a month on properties to this the real, real estate agent. Like, you, you know, I, I, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. So were you doing 200 offers a month in 07 or how many offers a month were you doing back in 07? No, we were, I'm not sure in the 07. I don't even know exactly. I have to take myself back because I wasn't journaling. I wasn't jotting all this stuff down. I was just kind of winging it just like I did through life, just like I, I did in everything, you know, yeah. but I was always jump all in. Don't really think about it. I yeah. did that. And in, in the DVD business, which you did, man. Yeah. End up so well. <laughs> and, and that's just what I did in real estate. Yeah. And I was, and you know, people say, you know, lucky, blessed, right place, right time. Obviously it was a good time to buy discounted real estate, yeah. you know, for me. You know, people say, oh, I got killed in 2008. Well, I was very fortunate. I didn't get into the business until, you know, that time, which really, you know, worked out well for me. Well, what, well you were buying from everyone who was getting killed. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, <laughs> I was I, like, man, this is awesome. <laughs> what I find interesting is that like, you know, yes, 2008 was a crazy good time to buy really cheap deals, 2009, 10, 11, 12, but, but you didn't stop. I mean, like how many deals are you doing right now? Like a month, like quite a bit, right? Yeah. And, and you know, so right now we did, uh, we're doing about 25 a month, wow. uh, something like that. So yeah. like, what's cool about Service. that though, is that like people are saying, yeah, you were lucky to, you know, you were doing it in 2008, but now I'm in 2017. I can't do that here. And you're like, 
Well, I'm actually you know, <laughs> still crushing it right now, right? So obviously we'll get to talking about how you do that, but uh, yeah. I, I just, just a message out there to everyone listening. Like this isn't just because Brett was in 2008, he was buying all these properties. Like it seems like you had like a system, you had a process that you were working through and that's kind of what we want to drill you on today is how do you do this? Like that, yeah. that's life-changing money to a lot of people. I mean, that'd be life-changing money to me. So uh, maybe we can start back a little bit. I mean, this idea of wholesaling, this is a term that is tossed around a lot in real estate circles, especially because a lot of the gurus, like the, you know, the late night TV or the come to my seminar guys, they really yeah. push this as like, this is the best way for a newbie to get started. So my first thing is, can you explain what wholesaling, what that means kind of, and then is it the best way for a newbie to get started? And, and before you answer that, sorry, there's various <laughs> definitions of what wholesaling is too. Yes. So, you know, I, I'd love to hear like, do you, what is your version versus kind of what's out there? Yeah, definitely. I treat wholesaling in real estate just like any other industry treats wholesaling. So if a grocery store buys fruit from a wholesaling company, they buy the fruit they, they stock the fruit and then they sell the fruit. They don't, you know, say and, and sign a piece of paper and they say, hey, we're going to assign this this fruit and then we'll pay you, you know, after we sell it from our store. So that's what I do. You know, that's how I got started. That's what I knew. Nobody taught me about assignments when I was doing that, you know, six uh $6,000 deal that I made. Uh, nobody taught me anything about that. So I was just doing the only thing I knew. I bought the house. I closed the house. I sold the house to another investor. You know, what you ask what wholesaling is, a lot of people teach assigning contracts. Um, we don't necessarily do that in my business. I'm not saying that, you know, if you're doing that, that it's totally illegal. I'm not going to put anything out there like that. I know people that are very successful. I buy a lot of assignments. You know, I have a lot of wholesalers that assign me contracts and it's fine. You know, I sign the assignment, I pay them their fee and, and we, and we go the other way because we close the deal. Um, there's the double closings, which is kind of like what we do, but you're just closing the same day with your other investor. The reason why I do what I do is because it's less messy. When you're dealing 20 deals a month, 25 deals a month, it's messy. And if I have to explain to every motivated seller that I talk to that, yeah, we're going to market your property and can you put a lockbox on it? And there's going to be people coming in and out of your house. And if I have to explain that 20 times every single month, it gets super messy. So I've decided let's just take all that off the table. We have the resources to do that. I have the resources. Plus, we have a lot of private money that we use to buy it, just like fix and flippers. We use the private money to purchase our deals. And, and it just helps us sleep at night knowing. And, and if we go to a motivated seller and we say, hey, we're going to buy your property, that's exactly what we're going to do. There's no funny business. It's not like, oh, we're going to buy your property, but not really. You know, we're really going to assign it or we're going to do something over here. You know, no, we're going to buy your property. And that's what we do. So. Yeah. So in our words, everything. So that's why we do it how we do it. We buy the property, we close it, and then we sell it. Now, um, really, really quick, Go ahead. really quick. You you mentioned the legality of it. There's there's a lot of debate about this. There's debate on bigger pockets. There's debate in other circles. You know, there's arguments whether you know who can actually wholesale. And yeah, it's all based we're on not, like yeah. As I was gonna say, it's all based on you have to have a real estate license to do it. A lot of it's yeah. based on that that idea of 
And we're not here to argue that. We're not here to get into that at all. What you're doing, you know, there's there's no debate on that, right? You're buying the property, you're closing on the property, and then you decide to sell it. The question on that is, what's the average amount of time between purchase and sale? Are you selling it the same day? Is it a week, a month? What's your kind of average? It really varies, but probably our average, I'm going to say, is around, you know, I don't know it exact, but probably 30 days. Uh, by the time we, we buy it, close it, and then our next closing if you take all the properties across the board, it probably averages 30 days. Some are like, yeah, a couple of days, but some are like 60 to 90 days. And yeah, we get, we get, we get caught with some dogs, you know, because uh, the typical wholesaler is if they can't sell the property, what do they do? They back out of the deal, yeah, right? Yeah. Well, we don't do that. You know, obviously if there's title issues or something like that, you know, that's a different story, but you know, since we actually close on the deals and, and uh, we do what we say we're going to do, sometimes we get caught, you know, with stinky deals. We call them dogs with fleas, uh, <laughs> you know, and uh, we can't sell them. So, I mean, well, you just sold the property, I think, that we had for six months. But if you average it across the board, probably 30 days. Got it. So, so. what about, uh, well, first I'll ask, I'll go back to, the, do you think this is a good strategy for new investors? Why or why not? And then I want to ask you about the actual like profit you make on these. <laughs> Yeah. Um, you know, just kind of fast forward in my story. So we were doing, we were doing great in wholesaling. Then the market cut and started to bounce back. Right. So me and my dad, we were kind of partners and we said, now what are we going to do? And I saw a bunch of HGTV shows and I said, let's do this fix and flip thing. That sounds like fun. That's where all the money's made. So we started doing that. I was a full-time fix and flip, uh, flipper for three years, Really? you know, fixed them up. We were doing maybe 30 a year, something like that, fixing flips. But I realized, man, that's a job. And, uh, and I was terrible at managing the contractors and I didn't know what I was doing with some of the rehab. And so about three, about three years ago, I said, you know what, I'm going to go back into wholesaling. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it big. I'm going to do it right. And that's when we came up with our company, simple wholesaling. And I think just to answer your question, Brandon, uh, I think, yeah, I think it's a great strategy for new investors because I think it's simple. There's not a lot of moving parts. I always say that uh, wholesaling is like the Flintstones car. You know, it's like it, it, it can go fast, but it's just a simple vehicle. And fixing and flipping is kind of like a Ferrari. You know, if you lose one part, one bolt pops off, you can crash and burn. I mean, that's kind of what I did in, in, in fixing and flipping. There's just so many moving parts. That's well, why I chose like wholesaling. Hey, Brett, what... The, the distinction there's a, there's a line between the your 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 definition of wholesaling here and flipping the distinction that i see it is you're not doing any rehabs on this pro, on these properties correct that is correct yeah now we'll do if a property is completely trashed i'll say yeah. we got a guy that goes around he'll clean it all out but that's pretty much it got it got it and We'll get into how are you finding these deals later. I know we're we're going to end up yeah. asking that. Um, so so back to Brandon's question on what, whether or not it's a good strategy for new investors. Do you, do you think it's good? I think it is. Yeah, like I said, it's uh it, it, it's simple. I wouldn't recommend uh, a new investor just going out and doing it on their own. People that come to me, I always ask, you know, partner up with a mentor, partner up with somebody, shadow them see what they do, do some partner deals with them, you know, make half the profit or whatever they want to split it with you. And uh, so you can get confidence, you can get your feet wet. And then, you know, a year later, do it on your own. You'll, you know, that's what I always recommend to people. I love that advice. I think it's, um, yeah, I, I, I don't, I think if you're brand new, you should rewind the last 30 seconds to listen to it again. Cause that's like, 
gold right there, right? Like find somebody who can help you and teach you exactly what they want, how to do it. You go out and do it and then you you get the experience. They can help you do the financing maybe. I mean, there's so many benefits to doing it. Uh, I love that. So now going back to the, the idea that you buy property and then you close on it and then you resell. Now, the thing that's always put me off from that, I mean, I've done a little bit of wholesaling. I'm not a massive wholesaler, but it's the, I have to pay closing costs twice, right? And that's what a lot of wholesalers hate about it is when you buy the property, you got to pay the you know county tax or whatever that is. I think we call it excise tax. And then when you resell it again a month later, you got to pay that again. Like, is there a way, a way around that? I mean, you have to pay the title company both times or an attorney, or do you just have to get a good enough deal to cover that? Yeah, obviously it's an issue and we're working on some different things. When we sell the property, our investor pays all the closing costs. Okay. That's just in our contract. So like, we don't have to pay any of that. Now, when we buy it, we have to pay all closing costs. So yes, we do, uh, you know, closing costs here in Indiana on the deals that we buy anywhere from 700 to $900. So that is an expense that we have to take under, under our wing. But again, if you're going to run a wholesaling business and I have to pay those fees, it's just any, any fee that, you know, we normally have to pay in the, just running the business, but it's just, it's just an expense. So it's just something that we do. And that's how we do business because again, it's just less messy and I don't have to worry about uh, the investor knowing what I'm making because he sees my assignment fee. Uh, I don't have to worry about the motivated seller getting upset because somebody else is showing up at their closing instead of one of our guys. It just gets confusing. That's yeah. why we do it because there's so many, there's so many confusing moments, you know, like why do you want to put a lockbox on my house? Why do people want to come in? So you can say, Oh, it's contractors. Uh, you know, I don't know. Why is somebody else showing up at the closing and not your company? Why is what's this assignment fee on the HUD? What is all that all about? There's so many different things you have to explain. I just kind of take that off the table. Yeah, I oh, love that. Definitely, definitely makes it simple. Yeah. When yeah. I think about wholesaling, like that's one of the things that's always held me back from jumping more hardcore into wholesaling is because I'm like, I hate explaining that thing because no matter how good you are explaining it, this motivated seller does not understand. Like, are you buying my house or not? And the few times that I've done it, it's it's weird. It's hard to explain that. And uh, I love the, what you're doing. And it, when I heard that that's what you did, I'm like, oh, like, uh, that makes perfect sense. Like, why don't more people do this? Like, I don't know. I like that a lot. So um, yeah. you mentioned this idea here of, you said the phrase, a wholesaling business. Like, first of all, I love that you said that. It's not just, I'm doing a wholesale deal. That's what so many people do, right? I'm going to go do a wholesale deal. What do you, how do you define the difference between somebody who's just a wholesaler and somebody like you who's running a wholesaling business. What's the difference? Yeah, it's actually funny because I read a lot of forums on bigger pockets, and uh, people say wholesalers are not investors, you know. And uh, people chime in, yeah, they are, you know, or whatever. Yeah. And I have, I actually have to agree. I don't think wholesalers are investors. I have to agree that wholesalers run a transactional business. Um, so it could be just like selling widgets or or DVDs or whatever. You're you're running. You're, you're just transacting houses. Uh, yeah. So I think if you're going to be a full-time wholesaler, you have to treat it like a business. You're really not an investor. You're not in the passive game. You're not in the appreciation game. You're not in all that. If you're just doing wholesaling, you're just in a transactional business. I think people have to realize that. It's really not investing. It's just transacting yeah. houses. Well, you could say the same about flipping, right? I mean, yeah. you know, the only... I think the only true quote investing is buy and hold, right? I mean, that's you're investing. I mean, the definition of investing to you know, you know, you're not, you know, flipping through this stuff in, in three months, six months or a day, right? It's, it's long, longer term. So what, 
what kind of numbers are we talking about? I mean, you're doing a lot of volume here. So what's, what's your average profit for deal? And, and maybe you can walk us through kind of a typical deal that you might go through. Yeah. Our deals, our typical profit is not like some of your guys uh, on the show, you know, I, and I, I'm part of a mastermind group and these guys, they talk big, big numbers out in California or, or Arizona or some of these, some of these cities where they're making, you know, 20,000 a deal or, or 30,000 a deal. Our typical deal, if you average it across the board, we make about 7,000 per deal. Okay. So, you know, that that's average. Some are only a couple, some are 20, you know, but average, I'd say it's about 7,000 uh, per deal. And so you're okay. looking at I was going to say, you're going wide, not necessarily deep. I mean, you want to do volume in this business. Yeah, yeah, yeah pretty much. Uh, and we're starting to get more deals that that are bigger numbers. You know, we got a deal last month that'll probably be our biggest deal yet. And that's going to be maybe around 60,000. And that'll be one of our biggest deals uh, that we've done. So. so so back to the question, uh, give us an example of a deal. And especially for somebody who's new, Walk us through timeline along with 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 it. So so this question is going to be a long, all encompassing question. You're going to literally answer every every follow up question that we would probably have. So from finding finding your deals, how are you finding them? How are you going about you know closing on them? How are you going about you know marketing and reselling these properties? Yeah, it's just been, uh, we've been able to scale over the last few years. It was pretty much, a, I was a one-man show uh, for for years. Me and my dad did a bunch of stuff together, and then he kind of retired, and then I was on my own. A few years ago, after reading some Bigger Pockets articles, I had a friend that really needed a job, and uh, he has going through some tough, tough luck. And I said, man, I heard about these people are writing letters and mailing them. I, I don't, I don't think it's going to work. I think it sounds really stupid, but let's try it. So, uh, he started writing these yellow letters and, and mailing them out. And I paid him a quarter a letter and, and people started calling and we started getting deals. I was like, man, this is crazy. I can't believe this is actually working. We were doing about 250 letters a week. And now we're doing about 30,000 over the last, or we're doing about 30,000 a month today. So wow. we really scaled, scaled that up. Nice. So, yeah, so we do a lot of direct mail. We have a PPC website, which is a pay-per-click website that we spend about $10,000 a month on. Uh, we have a company that has set that up. So if you type in, I need to sell my house fast in Indianapolis, we pop up and people fill out our form or they call us. Um, so we have that. Our, those are two of our biggest lead generation websites. But you know what has started to beat everything in our business? It, just in the past four or five months is building a reputation and buying deals from other wholesalers. And uh, so we've really started doing that. We have our own meetup here in Indianapolis called the Simple Wholesaling Meetup, where we teach other wholesalers what we do. And then so that so my my uh, email gets filled with with leads all day long from from other wholesalers. And most of them aren't any good, just like any other any other, you know, somebody says my uh, other wholesalers aren't any good. But but probably 50% of our deals we buy from other wholesalers. So we pick up the deal, whether from one of those are our top ones, whether from other wholesalers, direct mail or pay-per-click, we get on our contract, we go to the closing table and uh, we buy it. And then I have a guy here at the office. He starts marketing it. We put it out through, uh, we send a, on our buyers list, we send an email out, we put it on Craigslist every every week. And then uh, lately the MLS, uh, since the market's so hot right now, the MLS has been 
you know, golden. Now a lot of times we'll just throw it on the MLS, which, you know, I don't think if you're assigning the contract, you'd have to jump through a bunch of hoops to be able to list something on the MLS. So that's a strategy that we've really, you know, because the MLS is super hot. And uh, so that's how we sell a lot of our properties too. I want to, I want to just jump to something that you mentioned. You you had talked about putting together your own meetup last, uh, last show that we did show two thirty. Uh, we actually talked about this as well. He, he had, um, created his own meetup. It was Seth Mosley and he created uh, a meetup as well so that he could kind of become at the center of things and, and really get more access, better access to deals. And it sounds like you've kind of done the same thing there. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's all about branding. If three years ago, if people would, anybody would have asked, Hey, do you know Brett Snodgrass from Indianapolis, Indiana? And everybody would have said, no, I have no idea who that is, but through bigger pockets. And I've been a contributor on bigger pockets through the blogs, uh, our own meetup, our, we have a podcast, a simple wholesaling podcast. Now through all of that branding, now people are starting to, to recognize that we are a, a great wholesale company. And, but to other wholesalers, we're actually the end buyer um, because they don't really have a buyer's list and we close on the deals. Yep. So, you know, now we not only become a wholesaler, but we become an end buyer. And if we can build our buyer's list to to be really, really good, we we can sell our deals to other investors, not like they not like new investors can. So how does how does a new investor know if another wholesaler is full of shit? like, you know, how, how do you. How do you vet a deal? How do you vet that they really have the deal? How do you trust that they're not going to burn you? Like, you know, what, what do you do? Uh, I think that one of the biggest things is, you know, whenever you buy an assignment, you know, what go, you're actually buying the the purchase agreement, right? You're not, you're, you're paying $5,000 for that purchase agreement. You know, that's what you're purchasing. So a lot of wholesalers, if they send out deals to us, they'll say, yeah, $50,000, this house. I say, okay, we'll take it. $50,000. They'll send me an assignment for $5,000, but they don't send me the purchase agreement. Right. So like, I think that's one of the first clues. I'm like, you know, this wholesaler, you know, because I'm buying the purchase agreement. I want to see what I'm, what I'm buying, you know, yeah. and uh, other wholesalers, they're like, ah, no, you might go around, but I mean, that's what I'm buying, <laughs> you know? Right. So, I mean, that's, that's one of the first inclinations. I so think. they refuse to show you even a PDF of the purchase agreement. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Some wow. of them. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on because I want to see, you know, what I'm buying for this $5,000. Yeah. <laughs> well, of course you do. So, so that's one thing, obviously, you know, wholesalers are, are pretty easy to spot out. If people are sending other people's deals and you see this deal in multiple different places, you know, that's, that's, People try to sell our deals all the time and it's kind of annoying, but, uh, but that's just what other new wholesalers do. They take other people's deals, pretend like it's their own. They send them out. And when they get caught, they look kind of stupid, but, uh, <laughs> so, they, so new people shouldn't do that. Yeah. I think that's pretty shady. Yeah. It's slim shady. Yeah. I think, well, you know, and, and, and I think it's, it's a good point to raise, right? Like, you know, a lot of people will recommend, doing things, just do what you got to do to get it done. And what happens is you go and you do that. And very quickly, people who are in the know are going to smell the BS, right? And all of a sudden, you're going to create this reputation for yourself as somebody who's shady. Now, here's the problem, right? Because Brett, who does a lot of deals, runs into you. 
and you give him some BS and now he knows you as shady number one, right? Well, in a year later, you, you realize, oh, you know what? There's another way of doing it. But you go back to Brett. Brett's like, dude, I don't trust you at all. I'm yeah. not going to work with you, even though you've totally changed, right? So, you know, that's why we push so hard at Bigger Pockets. Like, your reputation is everything. And you cannot do shady stuff in this business because it will stick to you. It will stick to you for a very long time and you will not last in the business. You got to do things the right way. You cannot be shady. And if you're going to go be shady, go get into a different business. We don't want you. Yeah. I think it's, like I said, wholesaling is just like any other business. So imagine a guy, you know, he sets up, you know, a car wash and uh, the cars start going through, but he doesn't clean off the top of the car or something like that. He just leaves dirt on it. Well, eventually, you know, uh, people find out, Hey man, this guy's, he's pretty dirty. He's pretty shady. Like you said, Josh. And, uh, and I think that's the same, same concept here in this business. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. So can I go back a little bit? I want to dive a little bit deeper into direct mail marketing because I, I think it's a fascinating topic and, and it's the way that a lot of successful investors are getting a lot of their deals still today. And it's, it's very scalable. So my, my questions, I guess, is first of all, who are you mailing to? Uh, I mean, like, are they just all absentee owners or, or who are you mailing to? And then what's your letter permit say, or do you have a, a what's your strategy maybe overall with direct mail? Yeah, we've done a lot of uh, a lot of testing. Pretty much the best list that you can mail to if you can find tax delinquent, you know, absentee owners that are older than 50. <laughs> I don't know. That's probably like super narrowed down, but that's like that's the ultimate list. So tax delinquent lists or absentee owners that are older than 50 seems like most of the houses we buy are, you know, older than 50. So and then we typically, you know, and we're starting to try to get the list from the counties, like the tax delinquent list. But we use the same websites everybody uses, like List Source, uh, Agent Pro 24-7 is another one that you can get tax delinquent lists from. And our letter is pretty simple. You know, we I found out our, our best response rate is a invitation style envelope. So it looks like a, a wedding invitation. And they open it up and it's pretty much just a postcard. It's just real simple that just says, hi, my name is Brett Snodgrass. And I want to buy your house at 123 Boulevard Street and uh, please call me and we will buy it in seven days. And, and uh, it's pretty simple, not a lot of wording. And uh, that's pretty much what we do. And that's been our best response rate so far. Better than postcards, better than, you know, typed letters, anything. So that's that's what we pretty much do. Okay. And, uh, do you, how much do you track your, your metrics? And I don't know if you know them offhand, but like when you send out, a, you send out 30,000 letters or let's, let's mm-hmm. for simple math, let's go 10,000 letters you send out. How many phone calls does that generate? And out of them, I mean, how, how many deals does that end up working through that funnel? Yeah. You know, I'm a pretty simple guy. I try to track them, but I'm still definitely working on it. But, uh, if we get a 2% response rate, so if two people call us out of a hundred letters, that's pretty good. We're like, we're like dancing in the streets. Like that is really good. So 2%, if you guys get two people to call you have a hundred, that's awesome. Out of 30,000 letters, out of everybody that calls us out of whatever the numbers are uh, with that, if we can get, you know, typically 10 deals a month through, through direct mail, like I said, we do 25 deals a month, but you know, let's just say 10 are from direct mail and the, and the other free sources I've already said are from the other wholesalers, PPC, all that stuff. We're doing pretty good if we can get 10 a month out of 30,000. Okay. And if you can, if you can average 
you know, seven grand a piece, that's $70,000 a month from that. And you spend, what, what did you say it costs to send 30,000 letters? Typically it'll cost us around like 82 cents a piece. So whatever that is times 30,000. Okay. So maybe, I don't know what it was, 20, 23, 25, somewhere in there. Okay. So yeah. If you guys get, if you guys get to know me, I mean, my business is simple. I've always jumped all in. Don't really think about stuff. I, I, I like to track my stuff, but I'm not the best guy in that field. I'll tell you right there. I'll tell you right now. So. That's, all right. That's okay. That's all right. What I just, what I like to point out here is something that I talk about on, on the bigger pockets webinar every week. We do a live webinar every Wednesday. And uh, I talk a lot about how the investors that are crushing it in this game all kind of have the same strategy. It's a giant funnel, right? Like you, you got to get a bunch of leads coming in out of all those leads that come in. You're going to analyze a bunch of them out of the ones you analyze. You're going to make an offer on a bunch of them. And of the ones you make an offer on, you're going to get a few accepted uh, at the end of the day. Like you have to get a lot of leads to filter down to the few that you want. And that's how you scale. So if you want more deals at the bottom of the funnel, get more leads at the top and then just work that funnel. And you don't have to know every yeah. single metric perfectly. Just the fact that you know that if you send more direct mail, it's going to hopefully funnel it to more at the bottom. Yeah. And I think direct mail, obviously everybody probably says this is it's getting more competitive. Yep. You know, I used to be able to send out a thousand letters a month and get a few deals. I can't really do that much anymore. And that's another reason why we've been going more to other wholesalers because now they're sending out direct mail. And I was like, you know what, this is getting competitive. So let's start joining them. And, and, and now their direct mail, even though their uh, direct mail is super competitive, we're actually working their direct mail too. And, and it's free. Like we don't have to pay anything for their, yeah. for their deals. So, yeah. you know, yeah, that's, that's, that's the beauty of this business, you know, over a decade ago, scary. When I, when I started in the business, I, everybody's like, you know, you can't work with competitors, all these other investors in your area, you know, uh, you know, this bigger pockets thing's never going to work because, you know, everybody's after everybody else. And, you know, what we've discovered is this, we, when we come together and we collaborate, we're actually all more successful. And that's exactly what you pointed out. Like in your market, in your local area, if you start working with all the other local investors, all the wholesalers and everyone else, you know, you guys are going to all rise up together. You're going to get the deals. They're going to make the money. They're going to hustle and get deals, turn them over to you and other people. It's, it's a win, win, win. Like don't, don't have that. It's the abundance mentality. Yeah. The other thing with other wholesalers too, I love it when I see emails from other wholesalers uh, and a typical email from this, a couple of them that, that I'll get, will say something like, Hey Brett, here's a deal. Here's my price. Here's the information. Here's the pictures you get first shot. And I like that because he's given us first opportunity. Obviously, that's what that means. So, Unless he's saying it's everyone. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> shady, but <laughs> yeah, that's the shadiness of it. But uh, sometimes I'll buy deals from other wholesalers that don't make a lot of money uh, because the next one will make a lot of money, and I want to be first shot on there. So that's that's a that's one thing that we try to, and you know. I don't know if this is shady or not, but what it also does for a lot of new investors is it kind of quenches their their uh, hunger to go build a buyer's list because we buy yeah. and they go to us and then they go to us and then they go to us again and again and again. And they don't go out and get other buyers because we buy it. And uh, so that's another thing that, you know, it just kind of all works together. 
Well, on buyer's list, I mean, that's, that's what a lot of the gurus teach people is like, before you get started, go find a buyer's list, make a giant buyer's list of all these people. And what you just said is that's not necessarily very necessary. You know, if you're there, I don't know how I did that. Um, (laughs) If you, you know, if they've got you and like, you know, five or six other, let's say 10 people like you, you don't even need 10, you know, you've got enough people to buy every deal you're ever going to come across. Yeah. And I think so, uh, even we have in buyers that, yeah, we, most of our deals sell to, you know, three, three companies. So everybody kind of has that, but we right. are that to a lot of new right. wholesalers. Yeah. I mean, at first it'll take you a while to figure out who those people are, yeah. but at the end of the day, you know, all that matters is getting a great deal. Somebody's going to buy that great deal if you've got it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So, so on that note, I mean, who is your typical buyer when you get a wholesale deal and you're going to go sell it, you know, 30 days later or whatever? Who are you wholesaling to? Is it companies, individual people? It's definitely a mixture. I mean, our top buyers obviously are big investors. A lot of, a couple of them are turnkey companies where they're going to fix it up. Uh, Indianapolis is a huge cash flow market. So we get a lot of people that come here that buy cash flow. So, so a lot of them are, the big ones are turnkey companies, but a lot of the flips that we get that are good for retail flips. Yeah. They're just one up people or maybe somebody that's going to buy two or three, but the big ones are, you know, the turnkey companies uh, that, and most of those are like rental, rental properties. Okay. Cool. And, and then you mentioned earlier, you talked about how you started out doing a one man show and you've scaled it up. So how many on your team right now? And then what is your role in the business now compared to everyone else? Yeah. You know, it's pretty awesome. I was actually thinking about that. I went, uh, today I went for a jog. I was pushing my three-year-old son. We like to do that sometimes like at 10 30 AM. And I was like, uh, man, this is, this is pretty neat that I can do that. Cause that's not for the last, you know, eight, nine years. It hasn't been the case, uh, that I've been able to do something like that. But like I said, I hired my first guy, uh, three years ago, he was writing the letters for me since then. Now it's, we have a team of seven people, including myself, um, and then I just hired three virtual assistants. So including the virtual assistants, we have 10 now. And that's, I just hired them a few, few weeks ago. But yeah. Cool. Can you, you, can you explain who all those people are? Like, I don't need their name and birthday, but you know, <laughs> what, 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 what is their role at the company? What does everybody do? And then what do the, what do you use the VAs for? Yeah, definitely. Um, so let's see. So I have my acquisitions team which is uh, a couple of guys, Tyler and Alex. Alex, he was answering all of the phone calls, uh, all the initial phone calls from all the direct mail pieces that came in. And then he would send them to Tyler. Tyler's the guy who's been with me for about two years. He analyzes the deal. He doesn't have to ask me what to offer. He already knows that. So he's going to the appointments. He's locking up the deals. He's looking at the houses. So that's my acquisitions team. And then I have my closer uh, which is Gary. He goes to all the closings, does, does all the title company stuff, deals with all the closing stuff. And then I have my dispositions team, which is my sales. They're, they're the ones talking to investors, cash buyers. That's Jaron and Asia. They are a husband and wife team. And Jaron, he's the one talking to all the cash buyers, uh, getting them on a contract. And Asia, she does our website, does our property presentations. We put together like a nice property presentation, pictures, comps, rent rates, whatever. She does all that, puts them on our website so people can check out all of our properties on our website. Uh, She also is the one who puts them on Craigslist and all that. 
And then, uh, and then I have Darius. Darius is our marketing Jedi. So he does more of our podcast, uh, newsletter, stuff on that side of stuff. And then our three VAs are really just to help with, uh, one of them does admin, uh, and then one of them is going to work with Jaron and the C on the disposition side. And then one of them is going to work on the acquisition side. So we just added one more person kind of to each team. Um, just as we're scaling, I noticed with Alex, with only two guys on acquisitions, we could only mail out 10 to 15,000 letters before their hair would catch on fire, you know? Uh, so now we're just trying to do more. So that's why we had to hire more people. Perfect. That's cool. Yeah, and, and of course, Jer- Jaron, who works on your team, uh, used to work with us at Bigger Pockets. He was one of our yeah. uh, uh, like people we've hired over years, years ago. Yeah, years yeah. ago. Yeah, so that's kind of how I got to me know to Brandon. Brandon, Brandon was actually our second guest on our Simple Slang podcast. Thanks, Brandon. Oh, was I? Well, good, good. Wow. The best episode ever, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, so- I think I got the lowest hits now. <laughs> six six <laughs> listeners. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Jaron is an absolutely awesome guy. I know you and I both love him a lot, and he's uh, he's super. So, Jaron, if you're listening to us right now, you rock, buddy. Listeners, I'm telling you right now, it's not every day you find a game changer like Rent Ready. They're not stopping with just tenant screening. They've rolled out proof of income verification. Let Rent Ready handle the heavy lifting with automatic checks on financial stability and earnings. Plus, with Plaid certified reports, you'll have all the info you need right at your fingertips. Rent Ready is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. And if you're not a pro, they're offering the six month plan for just $1. How great of a deal is that? That's one eighth of a Chipotle. That's pretty good. Visit rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I.com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP, like Bigger Pockets, Investor, to get six months of Rent Ready for $1. We're always looking for ways to improve, searching for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for better is by matching with quality candidates. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Just go to Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Listen up, business owners, because I've got some quick little math for you. Fewer costs equal more profit. The problem? You're spending more than ever on operations, materials, deliveries, software, and more. So why not reduce your costs and headaches with NetSuite by Oracle? NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Oh, also, NetSuite lives in the cloud, which means you can reduce IT costs with no hardware required. 
Cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because now you've got one unified business management suite. You can improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. It makes sense that over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. So don't let rising costs sink your business growth. And by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash biggerpockets. NetSuite.com slash BiggerPockets. NetSuite.com slash BiggerPockets. All right. So uh, I don't know. I mean, there's so much we get. Here, here's what I'd like to do next. Um, what I think would be fun is because this is kind of like the show that I feel like for all the rest of the BiggerPockets podcast world or BiggerPockets world, when people say, what is wholesaling and how do I get started with it? I'm going to send them to this show. So I thought maybe it'd be fun. Let's, let's pretend I'm a brand new guy and I don't know what I'm doing, but I heard that wholesaling was a good idea. Can you in the next three minutes, five minutes, coach me and Josh, who are, you know, we're brothers and we want to do this whole thing thing. We're brothers. Yeah, we, we're, we, brothers. we're brothers. <laughs> Good job. Can you explain, like, what do I do? I, I mean, Brett, I want to wholesale. I'm in your market. I want to, I want to go wholesale. What do I do? Help me out. Yeah, that's. that's a good question uh first i would start off with going the direct mail route or really just you know cold calling off of craigslist or for sale by owners because that's all free um so kind of get some of that stuff going uh you know bringing in some leads once you get the phone calls you know really just a short conversation i want to know three i want to know three questions what's the address of the house what is the condition of the house to to get it, you know, in mint condition or, or really nice, move-in ready? And then what's your bottom line on the house? What's the price you need to walk away from the deal? And then I would use me, if you're brand new, I would use me to help you analyze the deals and come up with a number that's good for, for us on the deal. And then once you get the deal, you know, lock it up. I'll walk you through the whole process and, uh, and then we'll split the deal. That's what I do with a lot of wholesalers. And then like, I think there was a guy on, um, he actually, I met him through bigger pockets, Stephen Barton. He was a new wholesaler and he was just getting going. It's about three years ago. And he came to me and he says, Hey, I'm in your market. I want to do wholesaling. And we just kind of went through that together that first year. I think we split 50 deals and he made a lot of money. He started off with like zero, you know? And then by the end of the year, I think he had like, I don't know, $50,000 in his bank account or something. Uh, and we split all of our deals. Well, now he's going out doing on his own. That's why I always recommend get somebody you can do it with. I'll, I'll teach you, you know, the basics, direct mail and all that stuff, how to talk to people, but then help let, ask me to help you analyze the deals. We'll do the numbers together and then uh, maybe we'll, and, and then we'll split the deal. But if you do, you know, 20 deals like that, build some confidence. Plus you're using my money. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, they don't have any money in it. I pay for the deal. I buy the deal. I take it down and then we split it. And I mean, it's a great, I do that with a lot of wholesalers. So that's what I would kind of walk you through. I don't know if that answered your question. Like I said, I'm, yeah, I'm probably the great. dumbest. The, this might not be the show to send people to because I feel like I'm like the dumbest wholesaler ever. So. <laughs> no, this is awesome. This is really good advice. Like I feel like I'm <laughs> I'm learning a ton of stuff, and I've known wholesaling for years. But man, I'm a uh, like I've, I feel like I like I feel like super fired up. I'm like I want to go build a big team, and I want to start wholesaling this area. Like anyway, that that happens a lot on this show, but. <laughs> The problem with wholesaling too, people always say it's, it's just an active business and it really is. But if you build a team that are doing the, the roles that, that you used to do, um, and you teach them and you train them, it can be a passive sort of business. If you build the right team and put the right people 
in the right seats. And I'm trying to get there. I'm still in my business, you know, 40 hours a week. There's a book. Yeah. Obviously people probably talked about called traction and yeah. they talk about two people. They'd say the visionary, the integrator. I'm both right now. Um, I'm trying to uh, probably the next year, I'm probably going to be looking for an integrator to run the daily operations of the business, but I still do that. Once I get that in place, I'll be able to go on cruises like you guys and Disney world stuff. <laughs> it's not that easy, but yeah, you know, what's, what's interesting is that the visionary and integrator, I I've experienced this where I, I played both roles and, and over time, you know, I've shifted to become mostly the visionary with very little integratorness. If that is a do you word. Still work, do you still work really in the business? Like the, yeah, I, well, I have a t- I have a great team of managers who are doing the day to day stuff, and and it's a challenge. It's really what's fascinating is I I talk to CEOs all week. That's like my job is to talk to other CEOs and learn from them and come up with one or two ideas a month to to move the needle, right? And what I've learned is that that visionary role is very conflicting for somebody who did both. Because you're inclined to go and get into the business and do all this stuff, but you've also gone and hired people to do all that stuff. And so oftentimes what happens, and I know I experience it regularly, and and I know almost any CEO that I talk to, let's say 10 to call it 50, 75 employees we all talk about the same thing. It's like, Oh, I'm trying to figure out what I'm, what am I supposed to be doing every day? What, what, what is my role? And, and it's, it's a real challenge. It's a real challenge. Like, you know, cause you want to do stuff. You always want to be valuable. You always want to be helpful. Um, but you know, oftentimes you have to kind of step back and get out of the way a little bit for other people and, to do it. So, and then you probably feel like, like eventually like, is this, is this even my company anymore? Like, am I still a part of it? I feel like an outsider, you know, in my own business. So yeah, I think I that happens a little bit. I think that happens yeah. a little bit for sure. So anyway, in- interesting stuff. Um, before we move on to the fire round really quickly, uh, what's next? Where, where are you going? You've, you've now built this, this company, this transactional wholesale company, as, as you've dubbed it, what is the future for the company? What's your intention? I mean, you know, it's, it's deriving income for you. Um, are you, you know, looking to get into some buy and hold? Are you going to continue just focusing on the transactional? What's the goal here? Yeah, I, I love this business, simple wholesaling. I, I love wholesaling, but it's definitely not, it, it's just a means to an end for me. It's not yeah. like I'm super passionate on my, on my grave. I want, yeah, he was the CEO of a wholesaling business. You know, that's definitely not it. It's a fuel. I always talk to my team. You know, I love my team. It's like a family here. We have visionary meetings every every week, and I try to inspire them. And for me, this is the the money that we make is fuel for the fire. And right now, like I have a passion, a burning inside of me. If you listen to our podcast or you check out our website, I'm definitely a man of of faith, a man of God, and uh, that's that's kind of my passion. So right now, I'm building this thing, scaling it to build fuel for the fire. That's, that's my passion to build, you know, a ministry of some sort. So that's, that's kind of where, what it is for me, but I love building it. And I'm trying to, every day I try to think about what can I do? What can I build? What process can I do or system? Can I, can I build 
to help me get one step more out of the business. And if I can save myself five hours a week on training somebody else to do what I'm doing, then that's, then that's awesome, you know, and that's yeah. what I'm just trying to do every single day so I can use the fuel to build the fire. So I heard right a quote. Well, I love, I maybe love that, you way, and Brandon yeah. can become ministers together. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Be, you there guys go. would be I, the, you know, the seven foot ministers. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I just, cool. I just love the, I just love the, the idea of the, um, purpose inspired, I guess, like, like mission, you know, in your business, like, it's not just about making a bunch of money, right? Like, if it's just about money, most people will never get through the hard work that takes to build up a real estate business, because it's hard work. But if you have some other reason behind it, some purpose that that drives you forward, I I don't know, I love that. And so like, you've identified what that is for you. And I think that's fantastic. So keep keep that up. I think that's very cool. Yeah. One quote that I just wanted to share was by D.L. Moody. Uh, somebody shared with me a few weeks ago, and it really just hit me between the eyes. So uh, his quote, D.L. Moody, who made Moody Bible Institute, said, Our greatest fear should not be failure, but succeeding at something that doesn't matter. Oh, and that. that just really hit me. Like I'm like, man, point. I don't want to succeed at something that doesn't impact anybody. Yeah. So I don't know. And I think wholesaling does, obviously, but – you know, so that, that's kind of, yeah, I, I just want to share that. That was, that was one of the first Instagram quotes I ever shared on my, on my really? Instagram wow. back in the day. Yeah. Nice. Am I quote. allowed to like that quote, Brandon? You are allowed to like that quote. Okay. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> All right. So let's, uh, let's shift gears here and head over to the world famous. Fire. It's time for the fire round. Uh, let's get to today's fire round. These questions come direct out of the Bigger Pockets forums, and we're going to fire them right at you, Brett. So, number one, <laughs> what kind of phone system do you use to handle phone calls? What's your phone strategy? Yeah, we use a system called callrail.com. Call rail. So we put a different phone number on every piece of mail that we use. So every time somebody calls that phone number, we can track that. I'm assuming so, you don't mean like 30,000 phone numbers on 30,000 direct mail letters, right? You're saying like for no. each type though. Yeah. So if we send out a postcard, we'll use one, one phone number. If we send out a yellow letter, we one phone number or lists too. If we send out a tax delinquent list, we'll use a different phone number than if we send out an absentee owner, you know, over 50 list. So callrail.com is what we use. All right. Cool. And it's really easy to set up a number. Why I like it is you can set up a different phone number in a minute. So it's, it's really cool. Oh, very cool. Right on. All right. What's the next question? What, what's the best way to determine the comps for a property to determine what the ARV is going to be after repair value? Obviously, I'm a real estate broker, so I use our local MLS. If you can use your local MLS, I always think that's the best. Do you have to get a real estate license in order to do that? I don't necessarily think you do. Um, you can here in Indiana, there's something called a non-licensed assistant. And we can have up to one non-licensed assistant use and have access to our MLS, which so if your state has that, I think try to become a non-licensed assistant to a real estate broker in your area. So that's what we typically uh, use cool. for the comps. And then cool. we just look at the look at the area. And obviously, you know, we look at sold houses in the last you know six months and find uh, if there's two hundred thousand and and it's similar to our house, then. We use a $200,000 ARV. It's pretty simple, I, I think. Cool. I like yeah. it. All right, number uh, three. 
I'm just getting started with real estate wholesaling. What are the biggest wholesaling mistakes people make? I want to make sure to avoid them. Biggest wholesaling mistakes. I think that if you try to wholesale other people's deals, like I mentioned in the show, that's a huge mistake. Uh, number one, like you, you know, you can get in serious trouble if the other wholesaler doesn't know that you're trying to to sell their deals. So that's a huge mistake. Let's see other huge mistakes. Not getting a, a mentor, trying to do it all on your own, I think is a huge mistake. Um, I did that kind of, um, I had one guy that I, I did some deals with, but he was, he was kind of shady. So I got out, uh, from under him, but, um, but I think get a, get a real estate mentor. Somebody's doing the business. Uh, that's another mistake people don't do. Just don't do it on your own. I think those are probably the two, the two biggest. Cool. Good. All right. Last question of the fire round. If I'm wholesaling, I understand that I should be targeting motivated sellers and distressed properties, but I'm aware that if the motivation is high enough, I can negotiate a deal, whether the property is distressed or not. So my question is, what do I do if the house is in good condition and there are minimal repairs? How could I negotiate a good deal when the house is in quality condition? Do I just play on their desire to sell because they're motivated? What do I do? I think that you should like take advantage of them and play them like a fiddle. No. <laughs> no, I'm <just> kidding. Stop. <laughs> no, no. After I just did the DL Moody. Wow. No. Yeah. No. Geez, man. No, uh, definitely. That's not the, not what to do. Um, we buy properties all the time that don't need hardly any repairs. There are motivated sellers out there that have a nice, a nice particular property. This one deal that we're doing, the one deal that I said uh, that was probably going to be one of our, our biggest deals to this date, doesn't need a lot of repairs. But the comps in the area, and I'll just kind of tell you about the deal. So the comps in the area are about 400 let's just say high 300s, $400,000. This is a pretty nice area here in Indianapolis. And the people that we talked to wanted 225,000. The property does need repairs, but it's probably, you know, it, it's functional, but it, it needs, you could spruce it. Like I said, these, these $400,000 properties, they're like really nice. This one is rental quality, I guess. Right. So you could spruce it up with, let's say 40 or 50,000, but that's just what they wanted. So, you know, do you play off their motivation? I mean, I don't know if, you know, I, I think a motivated seller is a motivated seller. Don't always think that it has to be a distressed property. You know, if they're motivated and they'll take a good price for the property and that's what they want. I mean, you know, we gave them exactly what they wanted for their property and I can sleep at night because of that. So cool. Good answer. Cool. All right. Well, before we get out of here, let's head over to the famous four. All right. These are the same four questions that we ask every guest every week here on the bigger pockets podcast. So let's see what you got to say, Brett. Number one, what is your favorite real estate book? The real estate book I would probably choose would be, um, um, Man, I'm, I'm thinking of all business books. I read a lot of business books because, you know, wholesaling is a business. It's not a, it's not a, it's a, tra a transactional. But, you know, obviously the book that really, really changed us was obviously the book that everybody says was just, you know, uh, thinking differently and the, re and the rich dad, poor dad uh, book, I would say probably is my, is my favorite real estate book. Right, and then cool. I, but I, but I read both. I read a lot of business books because like I said, wholesaling is a business. So, so I, what would be your pick for a business book? 
business book. Lately, obviously, I think that the book Traction, it's really just helped me scale the business and help put the right people in the right seats. And um, that's just helped me scale the business. But early on, which it totally changed my my paradigm, my thinking was The Millionaire Next Door by Thomas Stanley. And why I choose that book is, I don't know if you'd call that a business book or not, but it talks about America's wealthy. And uh, it basically says that the millionaires are not the guys driving the brand new BMWs. They're the guys living in the cookie cutter house that's worth 200000 next door to you. And you wouldn't even tell that they were actually a millionaire. And that changed mine because I drove the most expensive car that I've ever driven was when I was completely dead broke. And after reading that book, I completely mm. changed everything and I realized how to be frugal uh, and, and I don't have to be super flashy. And the guys that are super flashy are probably in a lot of debt or broke. So that book I really loved. Cool. That, that, that certainly stands true by a lot of people that I know who are driving super fancy cars. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, all right. What about hobbies? What do you, uh, what do you do for fun besides real estate? Well, uh, I have I have a young family. I have a three and a half year old, uh, a two year old, and a ten year old. So that keeps me pretty busy. I really like to go boating. So Indiana is not known for its lakes, but we have a lake. We're we're in a lake town here in Indiana, and I have a an older boat, and uh, we love to go boating and tubing and skiing. And I like to take my family out on that. So right, right on, right on. Hey, Brandon, didn't Seth on the last show talk about skiing in Indiana? Was was that where he talked about skiing? I think it, yeah, I think it was Indiana. It was, it was Indiana. Around. Is there like there's yeah. skiing there? Yeah, a uh, snow skiing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, there is. Yeah, I used to live by uh, uh, skiing. You have to like make your own snow most of the year, but uh, during the winters, you know, yeah, there is skiing. <laughs> All right. Question number four. Like <laughs> yeah. Not like Denver. Number four. What do you believe sets apart successful real estate investors from those who give up, fail or never get started? Yeah. Um, there, obviously there's a lot of, there's a lot of successful. I actually at my local meetup, um, last week I talked about how early do people get up? I think successful people get up. They have a certain morning routine. I think that's very, very important. Uh, that's what I typically do. I typically get up at 5 a.m. I think, you know, most of the hours, I, the most I get done between five and like 7.30, it's just crazy how much I get done uh, between that time. And then you guys had on your show, the author of The One Thing, the book, was it Gary Keller? Jay, Jay Papazon. Papazon. Oh, Jay Both okay. of them. Well, they, they co-wrote it. They co-wrote yes. it, yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Awesome. That that's been a very influential book for me is to that's why I was doing all these different things. I was doing fix and flip wholesale, uh, buy and sell um, or buy and hold. I was doing some of that owner financing stuff. And then the last few years, I really narrowed it down to one thing and that's wholesaling. And that's just changed the game for me because now we are doing, you know, 20 wholesale deals, 20 fix and flips, whatever. And now we can just focus on wholesaling. And this year, you know, we'll probably do, you know, a few hundred. So, I mean, that's, that's, that was a game changer for us. Focus and keep it simple. So. Cool. Awesome. Brett, before we let you go, man, where can people find out more about you? I know you got the podcast. How do they get there? You name it. Yeah. Check out our website. Simplewholesaling.com is our website. We have blogs and our podcast is on there. If you are a real estate investor and you're interested in, in Indianapolis, we have another website, simplewholesaling.properties. And that is our property website where you can see all of our, our properties inventory. Either one of those is a great place to find me. Cool. And you're also active on bigger pockets. Yeah. 
I am. Yeah. We're a blogger on bigger pockets. Definitely. We have, I don't know how many forum posts we have, but we've been on there for a few years. We got a couple thousand. Yeah. So we're definitely really big. Awesome. There awesome. Well. well, thank you for that. Thank you for that. Really appreciate you coming on the show, Brett. Thanks so much. Good luck to you going forward. Congrats on your, your business and your growing family. And, uh, we'll see you around, uh, the, the community. All right. Thanks, Josh and Brandon. It was an honor and, uh, hope I see you guys in person sometime. If I get Sweet. out West Me too. Thank Take you. care. All right. All right, guys, that was Brett Snodgrass here on the Bigger Pockets podcast, show 231. Again, you can find the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show 231. What do you say, man? That was awesome. I love I love the integrity that he brings to the real estate business. And he was, he's totally focused on on running a solid uh, integrity full. Is that a word? Integrity filled so business. Good. I don't know. Integri- integrative? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Integrity filled business. What's the word? Uh, I don't know. Don't know. Somebody let us know. Go ahead. Tweet versus Josh. Versus DVD business. Versus, yeah, that was not integrative. <laughs> integrity of a div. Yeah, do not tweet Josh. Tweet yeah. Brandon, the actual at, word. At, at J.R. Dorkin. Brandon. I don't know what you That's my tw- Instagram. My Twitter is Brandon at Brandon at BP. I should change that to yeah. at Beardy Brandon. Beardy Brandon is so catchy, right? And so it's, it makes you sound so handsome and <laughs> well, beardy. Yeah, you, need, you need it to sound handsome because I need it you to yep. are handsome. But <laughs> my mom thinks I'm pretty darn handsome. handsome. Come on. Well, you know, she is your mom. She is my mom. That's She's not. Awesome. I'm not dogging your mom. Your mom's great. But it's just, <laughs> wait, are you insulting my? Just, no, you, can make, <laughs> you all heard it here on the Bigger Podcast podcast. Josh making fun of my mom. <laughs> Your mom's got to love you. Like with all your flaws, she has to love with you. With all my flaws. Well, you know what, Josh? I appreciate you. To go back to today's quick tip, I appreciate you. I expect very little, but I appreciate you a lot. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That means very little to me. <laughs> that was a good, it was a good show. I mean, a lot of, lot of cool stuff and and uh, definitely a lot of fun as always. Yeah. Well, let's get out of here. Yeah. I'm I'm done. I'm, I've had enough of you today. Take us out of here, man. Oh, really? You're going to let me? Well, I appreciate you. Wow, so nice. Because my expectations are so low. <laughs> <laughs> All right, from the Bigger Pockets Podcast, this is Josh Dorkin and Brandon Turner. Brandon Turner, signing off. off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com. Your home for real estate investing online. It's time for it's time for it's time for the random five. All right, for the last segment of the show here, this little hidden featured section. This is the random five and now random six. We decided to add one more question to it. So now we're the, the random six. The random yeah. six and we'll get some cool yes. music for that. But uh, this is just random questions. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. Throw I like random. Good. I'm always random, so let's do it. Good. All right. Number one. Uh, did you have any pets as a child? If so, what were they? I did. I had a dog named uh, Chubby. Chubby. Yeah, dog named Chubby. I don't <laughs> know why we named him Chubby. He always had a complex because his name was Chubby, <laughs> and I thought he was always fat. But uh, but yeah. <laughs> All right. Next <laughs> that, question. That was my nickname in life. Also. All right. <laughs> Still Next is question. what? No, <laughs> All right. What do you consider to be the worst possible topping? to put on a pizza oh man the worst topple man uh topping let's see i would have to say you know i'm not a big anchovy person so i'd have to say anchovy i don't think fish and pizza go together uh, uh, so yes yeah, so, yeah, yeah i think that good call. Yeah. 
If you could hike anywhere in the world, where would it be? Hike. Definitely. I'd probably pick Denver, you know, or not, or Colorado, obviously. So, uh, hike the mountains. Uh, yeah, let's take, I haven't been out West much. Actually, I've just been born and raised Midwest, but I'd love to go out there and uh, take my wife, take my kids and uh, do some hiking out West in, in Colorado. Sweet. Sweet. One of, one of our guys, Craig just got back this weekend. He did his first 14 er of course, this time of year, especially with the amount of rain and snow we've been getting, there's like, he said, there's feet of snow at the top of this peak that he went on. Oh, wow. So he was wholly unprepared. Um, <laughs> but uh, I actually was out in Denver. I, I went to a conference uh, a few months ago and it was pretty neat. That's the first time I've ever been in Denver, but uh, definitely a cool place. Remind me kind of Indy as far as like the downtown area. Yeah. Uh, it was really cool. Yeah, it's cool. And it's definitely not like Indy at all because uh, we're not into <laughs> so a holes. Cool. What? That's so much cooler. Now, not that everyone in India is an a-hole, just a guy who threw the can at me back in the day. <laughs> Have I ever told this story on the show? A long show, time Brandon? ago, I think. I think you did a long time ago, but I don't remember it. I was driving to college in my beat-up car with no air conditioning and had the windows open. And I don't know, something happened. I got vapor lock in my car on, on I think it was I-80 that drives through Indy. Is it I-80? It goes through Indianapolis. No, <laughs> we got no. We got sixty-five and Highway seventy. I was seventy. Okay, so 70, okay Highway yeah. seventy, and it was in the sweltering summer. This was when they were doing all the road work on on the seventy twenty years ago, and uh, it was down to one lane, and my car died on the highway on that one lane. And so I had to get out and push my car, and of course, not a soul. Not a soul stopped to help this this person out. So I'm there pushing my car, steering my car on the one lane. Nobody's assisting me. I get over, uh, you know, drenched, absolutely drenched. And so it's like 95 degrees and like 10,000% humidity. And I'm just there. Like, I can't even go in the car. It's too hot. I'm sweltering on the side of the highway there. And this, this I don't know if it was a pickup or an RV or what, what it was, but... Some guys are driving by. They're like, hey, man, you look thirsty. I'm like, yeah, I'm dying. Here, they take a can of soda and chuck it at me, start <laughs> laughing and drive off. <laughs> this this was my experience with, with Indianapolis. That's <laughs> Hey, that's how Hoosiers roll. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And that's I why was... I hate Indiana. No, I'm <laughs> wow. That's <We're>... wow. <laughs> All right, we're going back on topic here. <laughs> Is it my turn? Yeah, it's my it's turn. turn. Okay. When do you feel impatient? It's, you know, not counting the time that you were in your car behind me on, on I-70 <laughs> laughing and watching me suffer. When do I feel impatient? Oh man, definitely. Uh, yesterday, my wife and I were driving two hours in our uh, minivan because we have three kids, like I said. Man limo. Yeah. And uh, my two year old always copies my three and a half year old. So they decided for the entire two hours to uh, say mommy and daddy consecutively for about two hours. Wow. Uh, mommy and daddy for about two hours. So that was pretty. I got a little impatient with that. So like uh, but um, if you have kids, you just have to learn how to block out the noise. But that was a ride. So when my when my uh, kids decide to scream for like two hours, that's probably when I get impatient. That's yeah. funny because every time my little girl says mommy or daddy, I like cry because I'm like, ah, she just said <laughs> my went, name. 
you know, it was cute for the first 15 minutes, and then, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think that goes away a little bit, Brandon, I when guess. they get to be like two and three, and you're like, oh, yeah, you're doing this just to be annoying. Yeah, yeah. But my, I'll tell you a quick story. We've actually labeled my – we're actually going to maybe brand this so nobody steal this. But my son, my <laughs> two-year-old, he just celebrated his second birthday, and for some reason, he's a baby beater. So we were going to put him like one of those white tank tops because whenever he sees a baby, he goes up and he's really nice and uh, he, he pats it on the head. But then he, you know, uh, decides to smack the baby. And <laughs> <laughs> he's literally a baby beater. So, rocking the, te- uh, rocking the, the wife beater. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So he has an issue. He, we're going to send him to like our support groups here soon. Jeez. <laughs> All right. Wow. All right. Uh, number five. <laughs> What would you do? Actually, I'm going to go with this one. Has a self-help book ever helped you? And if so, what was it? And I know we already talked about the one thing in which I poured ad, but. Self-help book. Yeah, I just read a book I would really recommend called um, Time Management for Entrepreneurs by Dan Kennedy. And uh, because if you're an entrepreneur, yeah, yeah, you definitely should read that. I have enough time. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, it was an awesome book because what happens to entrepreneurs, they get sucked into their day to days. And and I always get sucked into my emails. Right. So if you guys can't have you ever had those days where like you can't get out of your email because as soon as you, you know, answer two of them, you have 10 more that pile on. And sometimes that's me. Um, So it's a really great book. It's definitely helped me. You know, now I check my email a couple times a day. And and one thing it's really helped me with is just helps me. What as a father, as as you know, a relationship guy, I want to always be in the moment. And if you're totally sucked into whatever you're doing in the business, you can't ever be in the moment. And uh, that's been a, a goal for me is with my kids or whatever is just to always be in the moment and not be thinking about some stupid thing. So great cool. advice. So yeah. leave the cell phone on the counter and be there yeah. with your kids. Yep, yep, yep. Last question of the random six. Can you juggle? I can juggle for probably, I say I'm a, I'm a good 45 second juggler. Yeah. Of yeah. 17 balls? No, I can do three. If you toss a toss another one in there, I'm I'm going to drop them right away. So that's, yeah. that's pretty good. It's yeah, pretty good. Not bad. Yeah. I can juggle one yeah. for like a long time. Just like one yeah. ball, just toss it up. Really? I'm really good at that. Yeah, okay, actually. Cool. That's awesome. You should like go professional. I might. That. I might. The one ball juggler. She's got the circus. I don't know if I want to be known as the one ball juggler. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're getting out of here. All right, guys. We'll see. Thank you. There's a reason small multifamily investing is so popular in the Bigger Pockets community. With just a 3.5% down payment, you can own up to four different units. Think about it. If you house hack and live in one of the units, you still have three different groups of tenants helping you pay down your mortgage every month, four kitchens and bathrooms you could renovate to increase your property value, four different Airbnbs, medium-term rentals, or other rental strategies that you can try in one property, all in just one transaction. Of course, the question is, where do you find a small multifamily property that you can actually afford? Which market and which deals are best for you? Once you close, how do you manage it, optimize it, keep scaling, and living your life without being tied down to four leaky toilets or four fussy tenants? All great questions, my friends. All to be answered in the upcoming Small Multifamily Bootcamp with Chris Lopez and Leica Devatha. So if you're serious about growing your portfolio with this highly efficient strategy, head to biggerpockets.com slash four. 
F-O-U-R. Today, and join us in the small multifamily bootcamp. See you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.